Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. Let's welcome Dr. Ramlakan, who is the president of the African Society for Sexual Medicine. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Ramlakan. It's always such a pleasure. Good evening, Patricia, and welcome to everyone. So today we are talking destigmatizing sexual dysfunction. ED, erectile dysfunction, is one of the biggest sexual dysfunctions uh, that face men. And um, the stigma around that is very, very big. So where do we start off to stigmatize um, people with uh, erectile dysfunction? The key to understanding men stems from understanding how they view or how they see sexuality in their lives. And when there's a massive importance put to sex and sexual function, remember that that man is always going to have that lost feeling ever if he has erectile dysfunction and therefore the load of the stigma becomes quite great. And it all relates back to what is this importance that sexual function brings to us as humans. And we know that uh, when you have sexual function, uh, it's, it's critical for satisfying and pleasurable human behavior. It's critical for our self-worth, for us to feel important and, and to feel good, and therefore self-importance becomes good. It also is vital for sharing that intimacy with the partner and for emotional bonding. So the vitality that comes from all of this feeds into how we feel when we are sexual and when we are sexually powerful. So when you have erectile dysfunction, which now starts to lead to a, a poor quality of life, but the poor quality of life is not only impacting the person, impacts the partner, and it also impacts families. It impacts employment. There's a whole host of factors that get impacted when a man has sexual dysfunction or erectile dysfunction. And premature ejaculation also, don't forget, is fairly important in men also. So when you start to look at the rounded process, any one of the factors that make a man feel not a man anymore that emasculated man or the man who doesn't have masculinity, the man who's unable to be the partner for his partner, the man who has now lost his prowess, he's going to carry a heavy load on his shoulders. And what we have found that, especially with erectile function, men take up to five years sometimes to present with the problem. The average around the world is about two to three years. But they can sometimes have or hide 
this difficulty for up to five years. And that's quite a long time in, sure. in the span of a relationship. Mm. I mean, my, let's go to a quick break, uh, Dr. Ramblikan. And my question is, straight after the break, is how do you hide uh, a sexual dysfunction for five years? Let's go to a quick break. A-teamers, please call in and um, join in on this conversation. We're talking destigmatizing sexual dysfunctions, currently looking at the men's side of things with the erectile dysfunction and premature ej ejaculations. And I'm sure we'll even get to some sexual dysfunctions that females face. Call in on 011-714-2006 or you can WhatsApp 614 SMSs go to 413. Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till Midnight Closet Conversations. Our guest is Dr. Ramla Khan, who is uh, the president of the African Society for Sexual Medicine. We are talking destigmatizing sexual dysfunctions. And uh, before the break, uh, Dr. Ramla Khan sure. was mentioning that there are some men who can stay with a sexual, you know, dysfunction and hide it for about five years. I want to know how do they do that? I mean, it should eat up at you emotionally and physically if you are living a lie, Dr. Ramlikan, or pretending for your partner for such a long time. It is, it is a very difficult situation. And what happens in, in that relationship is immediately there's a loss of intimacy. Uh, and the reason being is that suddenly the partners don't touch anymore because touching must lead to some other effect. And the other effect is that the man is expecting to get an erection, and if he has an erection, he will be capable of being sexually active with his partner. But suddenly he realizes that he doesn't get the erection. So he withdraws from that, and then they use different techniques. I mean, uh, the usual technique is usually the man would be very interested in looking at the TV guide and watching what film they is on. His partner would retire to bed. He would stay and say, look, I'm watching a movie. I'll catch you in bed later. He would go in later, find her sleeping, and sneak into bed and sleep away. And in the morning, if she asked, what happened? You didn't trouble me last night. She said, well, he was sleeping and I left you sleep. So many different things. And then we also get the men who start to avoid that and move on to substance abuse. They start taking alcohol and they feel sleepy. They blame it on tiredness. They blame it on work. They blame it on everything. Just to escape the situation. But the partner suddenly is saying, but what he might have another woman. That is why, or another person. And that is why he is not being sexual with me. Or he doesn't love me anymore. Or I'm not so attractive anymore. Or I am not being seductive towards him, etc. And she suddenly now suffers. So it's not only the person with the difficulty that suffers, the partner also suffers. And it becomes a couple problem. So Erectile dysfunction is not a single problem of the individual having it. It becomes a couple's problem. It becomes a relationship difficulty. It becomes a relationship strain. And all this comes down 
to where we start is that it's not easy for men to talk about the erectile dysfunction. I mean, in Zambia, when we did a study in one part of Zambia, the men actually say that when they have erectile dysfunction, they can be forced to move away from their partners because they're unable to satisfy their partners. Quite a heavy burden for that man. But how do they get away with all these days of not being sexual? And the excuses will follow all the partner will accept that we are older or we don't get better. But really what they're doing is because they don't talk about it, they're losing a beautiful opportunity to seek help for the difficulty. And our thing is, if you have a illness of any sort, you've got to ask yourself three questions. Is this illness causing me any difficulty? Do I have erectile dysfunction? And if I have erectile dysfunction, why have I not seen my health practitioner yet? And the all-abiding part is why haven't I spoken to my partner about it? Hmm. So the stigma is real and it can cause a ripple effect. And I think that's what we need to remove, help our men and women to remove the stigma. Before we go there, let's go to our A-teamer, Anonymous, who's on the line. Good evening, Anonymous. Good evening, sister. Thank you for accepting my call. Good evening. Uh, Good evening, uh, uh, Doc. I survived rape. And um, being on the tests, everything, ARVs, and then after all that treatment and uh, a, a, a becoming a cold case, undamaged, and partially disabled. And mm-hmm. um, besides that, they tested me for that they ha- I had to have my speech has also been affected okay and mm-hmm. uh, biopsy to test for cancer mm-hmm. so uh, oh, horrible 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 so painful and I was left damaged after the procedure mm-hmm. And um, just gone dead. No sexual uh, feeling or nothing, nothing, nothing. Just cold. Dr. Ramlikan, please do come in. Uh, Anonymous seems very, very emotional. And I I feel your pain, Anonymous. You had a very difficult ordeal. And thank you for being so brave to share with us and also to seek the help that you need. Dr. Ramlikan? Yeah. The the answer cannot lie in what I can fully put in. Uh, The answer will lie from how we build our faith in in life and relationships. And that usually is how one heals and repairs what happens around. 
Uh, and what we found is that whenever we are in a situation where we find ourselves feeling part of being cold in a relationship, we have to warm that relationship again to bring it in and start to feel better. And that is where the starting point is. So my my difficulty lies in the fact that when we have chances and when we have uh, other disease patterns affecting our sexuality and we don't have the team to assist and look after the healing or the rehabilitation and we we actually now call it sexual rehabilitation after procedures or cancer survivors or from any other trauma. And in that rehabilitation, once we get people to rehabilitate, we start for them to see life again as a living point, Patricia. And that living point is where they start again to repair lives and take it forward. And that's how you start the process. It's not easy, it's difficult, it really does send home a difficult time for anybody who's a survivor. And, and we appreciate survivors, we salute survivors. And what we say is that it's time to start a new process. And in that, remove the inhibiting factors, whatever inhibits and makes you feel cold, to remove those and start to put in the positive or the warming factors that start to make you feel wanting to be loved and to be sexual and to be part of the process. So that would be what my my approach would be Anonymous. in a simple way, yeah. not to go very deep. Let me go back to... Doc, Anonymous. I think I was damaged. My clitoris mm-hmm. with the... Uh, 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 biopsy, I was damaged, which uh, affected some area of that uh, uh, natural uh, 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 attraction. You know, like a sexual attraction, attraction feeling. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it, it it wasn't just the trauma uh, uh, as such. Um, it was. Damaged, physically damaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the procedure. So, yeah. So, so that, that is what I'm saying is that if the damage has occurred, then the key is that, and, and if you've repaired in the sense that you now have healing, but you don't have that part of your anatomy that is now not there for you to feel different, etc. We're going to look to see how we overcome that process to feel mm-hmm. good. That That is what I'm saying. I can't replace, or that can't be replaced, but we start to bring in the, the psychosocial effect that you bring from the brain to the body to say, how do I overcome this hurdle of mine where I have lost either body part through damage in, in a procedure or process that was done? And that's how you start to repair to heal. Because when you look at the whole process, you've got to say, what have I lost? And what I've lost, I can grieve for. But what I've also lost, I can try to repair for and take forward. Is there any, uh, doc, any um, sort of tests to, uh, 
to to check how deep or what the damage, my physical damage, with my vaginal area. So if you look at that was done. If you look at the the area of the vagina and the vulva, so the important structures there, like are what we call the vulva, that is the folds of the vagina, then you've got the clitoris, and then you've got the inner smaller labia or lips of the vagina, and all of them are all important tissue that respond to a sexual response. And like Mm -hmm. I say, if that has been injured, scarred from whether it is operation, whether it is cancer, whether it is... Uh, 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 a, a radiotherapy, whether it's chemotherapy. Mm. Once the healing has happened, then one starts to look at ways to rejuvenate that area by physical exercises, by seeing a physiotherapist to create exercises and pelvic physiotherapy, to look at taking away pain, if pain is available and happening in that area, to look at how one can reassume sexual relationship without having difficulty. So all of that needs to be repaired as a holistic process and not as a singular process. So you benefit from that. Thank you very much for sharing, Anonymous. I really do hope uh, that uh, Dr. Ramlikhan's response Thank is going so to help you. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank and you so much. Please have strength. Have strength. I know you've been through a lot, but you are a survivor, like you rightfully said. So get strength from the fact that you're a survivor and get the help that you need. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, AT, my Anonymous. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Ramlikhan, I'm uh, going to a voice note now. They cannot get to the point when their sex partner asks them what their problem is. So even if a man's sex partner can ask for a social workers intervention, the men don't get to the point. Most of the men hide behind alcoholism. They say they have drinking problem instead of saying that you have dysfunction. Maybe culture. Culture is what makes them say what they say. So if a dysfunction is a major problem, men should be workshop on how not to beat what they wish. They must tell what the problem is so that the problem can be solved. Good evening, lovely people. A doctor does a sexual dysfunction influence other people, either men or women, to resort uh, having love affairs with members of the same sex, like as homosexuals and gays. KJ. All right, Dr. Ramlikan, please do respond to the two voice notes from our 18 years. Patricia, I want a little bit of help. The, they were not very clear uh, in, in, in both of them. I know there was some reference to some homosexual behavior All right. and so, having sex with others. If you can just paraphrase it, I'll respond to it. I okay. not coming across very clear. Yeah, right. Sorry All about right. that. So um, the last uh, WhatsApp was uh, 
about um, asking, does sexual dysfunction cause either men or females to end up in homosexual relationships? End up in having? In homosexual relationships, yeah. No, there's no clear evidence for that. I think the innate property, see, there's a thing that a lot of us uh, don't seem to understand, and that is, uh, even myself, never understood it until we studied the process of what is happening around us. So we have a, a biological process, and that is we are male or female. And then we have a gender process where we either identify as masculine or feminine, and that is shaped by your, 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 your everyday processes in your life. And then you have the areas you play with, the way you express your sexuality, either in heterosexual, homosexual, or bisexual processes. And then you have what we call sexual play, is where you play in the different organ systems, either it's vagina, anus, breast, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when people have dysfunction, they don't go across. The dysfunction might be that they are in a flux or they are confused about their identity. And therefore, when they have a, a, a dysfunction, it impacts them enough to bring out their true identity. So that might be where somebody might move across to a different uh, process and, and suddenly show or exhibit homosexual tendencies, either gay or lesbian or uh, bisexual properties. And that might happen as part of a response that the dysfunction actually was a gender identity more than just a erectile dysfunction or some other sort of process. So important that that is recognized and, and taken forward from that point of view. And uh, the other uh, voice note was just basically saying men need uh, to, you know, be workshopped around uh, sexual dysfunction and not being secretive uh, so that they don't end up uh, drinking a lot of alcohol because a lot of men apparently are hitting the bottle because of sexual dysfunction. Very, very valid, very important point. And substance abuse really becomes quite a a a, a uh, an antidote for somebody whose poison is erectile dysfunction, and 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 everybody now suddenly sees themselves moving in that direction to escape their sorrows, to drown their sorrows, to forget their difficulty, etc. And this is where I mean, this month is is Men's Month, and therefore this is where the Movember campaign and then the talk around sexuality really starts to make men feel invested and know where they're going so that they don't want to feel as if I can't talk about this. And what we're finding is more and more the partners are actually encouraging the conversation at the doctor or wherever help is needed and say, look, let's go along. We can go and talk about this. We're encouraging practitioners to start to ask the question to every man to question their sexual expression, every woman to do a little screener on whatever difficulty that they might have about sexual function and to make sexual health history taking a norm in our 
assistive taking from any patient who presents to a doctor, clinic, or practice. And we're not very far away from that, I would assume, if we're following the right path of teaching and moving in that direction. So I think we're going to get there, Patricia, uh, that men will soon start to talk about it earlier and not wait so long. And when we look at the figures, we know that only one-third of men talk to their doctors and only one-third of doctors ask their patients. We're hoping that soon that percentage will reverse and become more the majority of men talking about their problems. And the simple thing, if you have a condition like hypertension, we know that hypertension causes erectile dysfunction. So that conversation can happen from a doctor simply asking, you have hypertension, men with hypertension have erectile dysfunction, are you having a problem? Or a simple question like, what is your early morning erection like? And non-intrusive system, and they suddenly say, ah, you know, doctor, now that you raise it, I'm losing my early morning erections. And that's the conversation starter to start talking about those erections and how they feel and how it impacted them, how it impacted their relationship, how it impacted their family, how it impacted their workplace. Because all those factors are necessary for the normal functioning of the man, his partner, and his family. Let's go to another voice note from our A-teamer. Thanks. Doctor, can you please clarify for me here? When you are using uh, MED-E enlargement, uh, you're using it for a couple of years ago, you're still using it now, is it going to have a side effect at a long run? And what are those side effects? And, uh, you know, I want to know because, yo, this thing is getting into me. Thank you. Bye. All right. Uh, let's uh, help our A-teamer. What's Med-E enlargement tablets? And do they have side effects, Doc? Okay, he, he mentioned the tablet, did he, Patricia? I didn't get yes. that. He said the men? Med-E enlargement tablets. Aha, uh-huh. okay. All right, so the key is that we have a variety of medications that are available in our country. There are three registered medications for men's erectile difficulty, which are registered drugs, and they are known as sildenafil, vardenafil, and tadalafil, and that's Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra. They're registered. We know that if a man has any erectile dysfunction and he uses those drugs, we have about 80 to 90% efficacy that those drugs will work. Now, the long-term effects of them are actually excellent in the sense that if you look at it, they actually work on the vascular system, and therefore they actually do good work in giving the vascular system a good lift. The second part is that in the other drugs that we have, which one calls natural or herbal medication, we find a whole host of them out there that are available. And male enlargement caps, uh, uh, Rock X, Vigor X, Cetary X, 
uh, ginseng, uh, corny goat weed, etc., and combinations of them are there. The key is that when the drugs are manufactured in the true way, when the natural products are really made only from natural products and no additives, then the side effects in the end are almost zero. But when there are additives put in by companies where we don't know what they put in, we can't really say what is in there and the problem. But as long as you don't suffer side effects, there are usually no problems. There's no problem that will happen to a man if he knows the ingredients in the product and he knows those ingredients are safe. So he can use them without any difficulty. And there are no long-term effects of the known what we call PD-5 inhibitors or erectile drugs, if I may call them that. All right. Thanks. Let's go to the lines. A-Tima Born Free, good evening. Hello. Hi, we can hear you. Hi, Hi yeah, I can hear you, Sister. How are you? Excellent, thank you. I think you've put us on speaker because, uh, yeah, your, your clarity is not so good. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a question for the doc. Um, hey, doc. Good evening. Good evening. Yes, I've got a question. So we we we've got a myth um, as as guys that if your erection is too much, right? If it if it reaches a certain level, then you're gonna break a vein. So I don't know how to ask the question. Is is, is this real? First of all, is this something that can happen? So maybe during foreplay, if, we, if your erection is too much, we break a vein. And um, how do you know when that is approaching, if it is real? All right. Okay, thanks, thanks for the question, Born Free. Thank you Dog. for that. <laughs> okay, so, so, so know that the hydraulics in the penis is really quite a massive change in pressures that occur when the blood flows into the penis. So the penis is this really fantastic organ that's got this capacity to hold up. So when the blood flows into the penis and once the veins now get compressed, so the penis is made up of two rods, which we call corpora cavernosa, and around it is a sheet. And that sheet, which is called the tunica albuginea, is what compresses the veins that are around the penis and keep the blood in the penis. Now, when some men get what I will call a rock hard or a grade five erection, they can have a feeling of almost like a throbbing in the penis and feel that something is going to burst. It does not happen usually in a normal erection or even in a throbbing type erection. The problem usually happens when you have sex and sometimes the penis can bend while you're having sex and that can give you a crack in the veins or in the copper and you can get almost like what one can call a fracture of the penis and that does happen. You can also get tears of the or injury to the dorsal vein during uh, uh, intercourse which might be very rough, if I may use the word, and therefore you can get that trauma. But usually the penis is fairly safe 
when you have good sex. It usually is well-structured and constructed to give people not too much of difficulties. But if there's a little bit of excessively uh, uh, aggressive sex, you can end up with a few injuries that can occur to the patient. All right. Thanks. I hope that answers the question. I didn't know that, um, <laughs> you know, you can actually pop a vein or break a cord in the penis. It's very scary. We need to be careful when we're having sex. Yeah, Doc, yeah the biggest problem yeah. is that always is that you can break the penis, but what must not happen, which is an emergency also, is that you mustn't tear the pipe that takes the urine out of the bladder, which is called the urethra. Then you'll have to get that repaired. Otherwise, you'll be unable to pass urine because of the tear in, in, in the penis and the urethra. Let's go to questions here. This one from Anonymous who says, uh, Good evening, Doc and Patricia. My question is on masturbation for males especially. No, On one hand, I hear it's good to get the blood pumping below the belt and help with erectile dysfunction. And on the other, I hear... It's bad as it can cause the brain to get used to solo sex that's lead to erectile dysfunction while with a partner. Which is true or false? So is he comparing the, the difference between masturbation leading to erectile dysfunction? Is that yeah. the gist of the question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So masturbation, first of all, is, is something that we have to understand that in some religion and cultural processes, it is put as being something that is taboo and should never be done. So if somebody practices masturbation and feels guilty about it, they can end up having erectile difficulty or feeling as if they are committing a sin and therefore punishment for them will be loss of erection. So that can occur from a psychogenic point of view. But uh, masturbation causing erectile dysfunction is not a known process. We can get masturbation or excessive masturbation causing people to have delayed or an ejaculation, that means no ejaculation, because of that. Mm. And that is what you can get. But not really erectile dysfunction. Okay, here's another question. Uh, this one says, I am a hypertensive 53-year-old and I feel like my erections are a lot fewer and weaker than only a few years ago. Would I be able to get Viagra from a government clinic since I have no medical aid? Okay, so if we, if we look at, at that, uh, at the moment, uh, and I'll answer from what I know is that at present in the government hospitals, Viagra is not on the code. If you saw the doctor there, you would get a prescription. Now, because Viagra has now lost its patent and the generics are available, Viagra's generic equivalent is now available as a generic at a, at a much more reduced price than what it was previously. In fact, the price of the tablet has come down to around between, you can get a good generic for between 35 to 40 rand, mm. compared to 150 rand before. 
Interesting, interesting. So, so that is affordable for somebody who says, I want to have good sex. I will get my 40 rand or 50 rand and I'll buy my tablet and I'll have my sex. Do they still need a prescription for the generics? So all he has to do is get his prescription from his clinic at the hospital and he can buy it at any pharmacy. Ah, simple as that, simple as that. Doc, uh, perhaps uh, as we close off, uh, give us uh, the last pointers in order for uh, those suffering from sexual dysfunction to remove the stigma and live freely. You know, we, we, we need to, to ensure that men must never be afraid now in the new world, and I'll call it the new world, to come forward to discuss any sexual difficulty because help is available, help is there, and help will be available so that you do not end up with all the psychological relationship, social, and other difficulties that you will end up having because one is not being sexual and not having a fulfilled life and therefore impacts on your partner, your family, and creates difficulty in that family, leading to divorces, leading to difficulty and daily, daily disparaging and wars between couples, which should not happen. So our appeal is to men is please do not be afraid to raise the question with your doctor, with your clinic, whichever health professional you see, raise the question. Those who can't handle it will refer you to somebody who can and you will get help. In fact, the help for men is out there aplenty. There are enough products to get men to a fairly good erection to be able to be sexual again without feeling embarrassed. And therefore, we need to make sure that they realize that and take it forward. Dr. Ramlikan, how do our A-teamers get in touch with you? 031-577-8932. Simple as that. Thank you so very much once again for uh, sharing such great knowledge uh, with us and uh, bringing comfort to a lot of people who are suffering from sexual dysfunction. Have a good evening. Thank you, Patricia. All the best and do have a lovely time. I'm sorry. Uh, the sound is a little bit poor today, but I think that load shedding so mm. problematic. But it was a good uh, show nonetheless. Thank you, Dr. Ramlikan. Thank you very much. You have a lovely evening. Bye-bye now. A-teamers, uh, that sums up our Wednesday edition of Late Night Conversations. We are back again for the Thursday edition at 10 p.m. tomorrow. But uh, between now and then, uh, remember, Santa Peta is on at 3 a.m. until 5 a.m., giving you sound awake from us. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.